good morning it is. Wow, what a wonderful spirit here this morning. and What a privilege and an honor to be here to speak to you this morning and to be able to bring what I believe is God's word for today. Uh, I'm also pleased to be here today just to have an opportunity to thank you in person for all of your prayers for my wife, Millie, uh, who uh, of course was diagnosed with breast cancer and in the beginning, we were told it was a very aggressive cancer, fast growing, and uh, we were to expect not only surgery, but chemotherapy, radiation, the whole thing, and and uh, we were just dreading the whole thing and praying, and of course, we called everybody we knew who knew how to pray, including Pastor Joe, and I know you got a lot of folks here to pray, and we appreciate those prayers, and short end of it is that Millie had her surgery, and then... Uh, uh, then the waiting comes while they do all the testing and and so forth to find out what the what the program will be for your uh, follow-up care and uh, we went back to the doctor expecting the worst and they said well it was all contained we found no other cancer in your body and no chemo no radiation none of that stuff and I believe that's God I really do we serve an awesome God. And so I, I'm glad to have that opportunity to thank you for your prayers. I have a message today. Uh, I have two texts. The first one is found in the book of Romans, chapter 11 and verse 29. The second one will be in the book of Philippians, but I'll give you that one when we get there. So uh, again, Romans, chapter 11 and verse 29. While you're... Turning there, I'll tell you a little story about, uh, I don't know how many years ago it was, but one of my congregation, and I, I <laughs> kind of wondered why they did it, but they came up and they said, Pastor, does your sermons ever uh, minister to you or challenge you? And and uh, wasn't sure where she was coming from there, but I thought for a minute, and then I said, always. <laughs> you know, I've never preached a sermon in my life that God didn't use that to speak to me, to minister to me, to encourage me, to bless me, sometimes to get on my case and say, okay, son, you need to do this and stop that. And uh, the word always challenges me. It's impossible to read this book and study this book, whether it's for a sermon, a, a lesson, or for your own edification without being challenged. And I thank God for that. And I think that truth is never more uh, true than it is today. Uh, some of you may know I, I uh, retired from full-time pastoring after 44 years of pastoring three different churches uh, last September. And uh, not that I wanted to, believe me, I'd have went forever, but uh, my body kept saying no, and I felt God saying that it was time. And uh, that's a hard thing to do, it really is. You know, that's, it's like a part of your life, it's who you are. I'm Pastor Jim Peters, <laughs> not just Jim Peters after all these years. And, but anyway, uh, it was quite a challenge for me. And, uh, you know, we made some plans of what we would do, and then uh, we kind of went off and traveled, and then we came home, and then I sat. And uh, truth is, this is my first sermon in six months. And past it's overdue so i hope you're not in a hurry to get out of here because i'm i am full of it today folks 
No, I won't. I already asked your uh, pastor how long I had, and so we're going to try and stick with that. But anyway, uh, Romans chapter 11 and verse 29 says, For God's gifts and his calls are irrevocable. Father, I just pray that you're going to minister this word to all of us here today. Let it challenge us, let it encourage us, let it give direction to our lives, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this text is a standalone text, even though he's making reference to Israel. And what he's doing, the Apostle Paul here is, is writing to the church, telling them, of course, about Israel's failure. And because of their failure, we know they, they have a very checkered history. Uh, we're blessed by the nation of Israel. You know, God first made his uh, entrance into this world to reveal himself to humanity through the nation of Israel. That's how it happened. He began speaking to, to Abraham and then to others and, and uh, of course, through Moses and others who give us the Old Testament and all the rest. And, and uh, he, he taught us the law. And, uh, of course, right from wrong, that's a good thing to know. And so many other things about worshiping God, knowing God, and giving us many promises, even in the Old Testament, about what God would do through his son, Jesus Christ, in the New Testament for us. But yet, Israel was a nation that, uh, for some reason, just, well, I guess because of their humanity, like the rest of us, just couldn't, couldn't always get it right. They, as long as times were bad, as long as they were suffering, when they were struggling and crying out to God, they were having a revival. And God would come in and he would sweep away their enemies and bless them. And, and pretty soon they would be prosperous and doing well. And as soon as the prosperity came in, all of a sudden, it's like, you know, they just forgot God. The book of Judges is one of the greatest examples of that. They, if you read the book of Judges, it starts out with, uh, you know, the, the death of uh, Joshua, and Joshua uh, was among those who went through the wilderness, and he's the one that actually brought them into the promised land after the death of Moses, and uh, uh, they saw the miracles. They saw the water come out of the rock. They saw, you know, small armies whip huge armies. They saw so many miracles, manna from heaven. They saw it all. And yet, as you don't get very far at all into the book of Judges until all of a sudden it says, and there came up a generation after them who knew not the Lord. That's surprising. <laughs> one generation. One. Years ago, I heard it said that the Christian church of today is only one generation away from extinction. And I believe that. I don't believe it's happening right now, thank God. There's a church out there that's still preaching the gospel. But that's all it would take. One generation to lay down on the job. One generation to not teach their children and their grandchildren. One generation to not reach out to the lost and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to do all that, that we can to, to uh, spread the, the good news. And it could be, all be gone. It could be. And nothing else can stop it. Nothing. There, there, isn't, there, there isn't a devil big enough. There, there, there isn't anything that can stop the church. 
except if the church were to simply lay down and quit. That's the only thing. Okay, well, I could get real sidetracked here, and I'm going to try not to. But again, uh, the Apostle Paul here is talking about Israel when he says these words, but these words uh, are, again, it doesn't say for God's gifts and his callings to Israel are irrevocable. It doesn't say that. It's just a statement that he makes. under, And all of the scripture is God-breathed under the Holy Spirit. And that's what Paul is doing here under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He's telling us that God's calling is without repentance. Now, I call that once called, always called. Now, don't mistake that with once saved, always saved. I, I don't go that direction. Uh, if you do, that's okay. But I... I believe that that uh, there is a place. I don't think our salvation is as fragile as we think it is sometimes. I remember when I was a little boy growing up in church, I remember I'd go down to the altar, I'd accept Jesus Christ. I'd, I was all excited about being a Christian. I'd go out, I'd tell a lie, <laughs> or I'd, to get out of trouble, I'd do something and, that I shouldn't have done. And then next Sunday, I was back down there getting saved again. I didn't realize that salvation isn't that fragile. You know, if we sin, he is faithful. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive. And he not only forgives our sins, but he'll strengthen us so that we don't have to continue in our sins. Praise God. But once called, always called. I've been a pastor for 44 years, and in that time, I can't count the people who have come up to me and say, Pastor, you know something? When I was a kid, I felt like I was supposed to be a preacher. Well, what are you doing? Well, I'm in construction or on this or on that. Wow. I've had people tell me, I used to sing in church when I was younger. I used to do this. I used to do that. But they don't do it anymore. There's sometimes reasons for that, too. Oh, you wouldn't believe the, the crooked preachers that I've known or the problems that we have or, or my own personal failures, and then I knew I couldn't, I couldn't follow my calling. Uh-uh. I don't care how you've failed or how much anybody else has failed you. God's calling, the Old Testament says, is without repentance, which means God never changes his mind. No matter what you've done, no matter what anybody else has done, God has called you to two things. Number one, he has called you to salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. And there is salvation under no other name than the name of Jesus. Not through good works either. Not because I'm a good man or you're a good person. But through the blood of Jesus Christ. And he calls us all to that. And then he calls us for a purpose. A purpose that he has planned before you were even conceived. That's what he told the prophet when he said, Be, before you were born, while you were still inside your mother, I knew you. And before we were born, he knew us. And he had a plan for our life, and he equipped us for that life. And I'll talk a little bit more about that as we go along. But that is the foundation for this message. And, and please, 
Uh, keep that in mind as we go along. I'd like to go to my second scripture found in the book of Philippians chapter 3 and uh, verses 12 through 14. I'll read them in just a moment, but I'd like to give you sort of a, a timeline here. The scripture that we wrote was before the Apostle Paul went to Rome and uh, at this particular one, he's in Rome, he's in a prison in Rome. This is what they call one of his prison epistles, which is uh, 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 written behind prison bars. A, a prison, by the way, from which he'll never come out alive. And uh, I'm sure you uh, have heard a lot about or studied about the life of Paul. It's an amazing life, amazing. Uh, one of my Bibles that I have, and it just went out, the Thompson Chain Bible, if you ever heard of that one. In the back of it, it has a lot of different study guides. One of them is called the Footprints of Paul. And it shows a map of the known world at that time. And then it shows you the journeys that Paul made all throughout that. It's amazing the miles that this man covered. And that's before automobiles and airplanes. Most of that he walked. A lot of it was done on old sailing ships. I mean, it was amazing the journeys of the Apostle Paul. He had a fantastic career as an apostle, as a preacher, as an evangelist, as a missionary. Planted churches all around and then went back and revisited them and wrote letters. And, and of course, through those letters, he wrote uh, perhaps more of the New Testament than anybody else did. Amazing man. And at the time that this is written, he's sitting in prison bars. He's now an old man. He's now a sick man. If you study his life, you know he had illness. Uh, his thorn in the flesh. We believe that Paul was blind in his old age. We believe that because the scripture is like one in which he's writing to a church and he says to them, uh, I know that if it were possible, you'd give me your eyes. His final epistles were not written by him. He dictated them to somebody else who wrote them out and then he signed his name to it. And then one time when he signed his signature, he says, look how big my letters are. Which, you know, that's what people who used to be able to see, who can't see anymore, that's what happens. They remember how to write the letters, but they can't see to make them the right size. So we believe that Paul was blind. He's, he's old, he's sick, he's in prison. He's, he's done it all. He's done it all. Probably more than almost anybody else in his day. In an amazing, amazing life in ministry. You know what? Paul, maybe it's time for a rest. <laughs> maybe it's time to sit down on your little prison cot and just wait for Jesus to take you home. Let the younger guys do it. You know, it's their turn. But yet listen to what the Apostle Paul says. In Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. Well, if you read before that, you read some of the stuff that he did and some of the stuff he's planning. And then he says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already, uh, already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And I'll read on a little more from there, but 
Notice the first thing he says there, I haven't reached my goals yet. Paul had goals that were beyond where he was at. <laughs> and I, I look at his life and all that he did, and I think to myself, he has goals? <laughs> My goal would be at that point to go to heaven, get out of all this pain, out of all this frustration. Let somebody else take it over. Let somebody else do it. Not Paul. Paul says, hey, man, I'm pressing on. I am going forward. God has, and I like the way he words that too when he says, I press on to take hold of that. That is his calling for which Christ Jesus took, took hold of me. In other words, he's saying, I am pressing on to what God called me to, what Jesus called me to. He had high, high feelings about God's calling. God called Paul. You know what? God called me and he called you. There's no quitting. God's calling is without repentance. And I don't care where you're at. I don't care where you've done. I don't care if you consider yourself to be a Christian today or not or uh, what's happened in your life. Maybe one time you felt like doing this or, or not, whatever. I'm telling you, God has a plan for our lives. And I don't believe it ends until the day that we cross over to be with him. So what's he going to do? Well, he goes on in those same verses and says, Brother and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward, and, and straining toward what is ahead. Gives us two really great clues into how we do this. First of all, there's some straining involved. It's not easy to do God's will for your life. And, and believe me, Satan doesn't want you to do it. And there's a whole lot of people in this world that don't want you to do it. You'll, you'll, you'll get discouragement at every turn. I remember when I was a young preacher just starting out and... and uh, and, and it wasn't easy. <laughs> I remember I, you know, you, I said it, and I actually did it at times. I, I said, man, I want to preach so bad, I'd pay to preach. They don't have to pay me. And the truth was, in a lot of places I preached, I put more money in the offering bucket than they paid me. And I didn't care. I wanted to preach. I wanted to preach so bad because it was burning inside of me. And I, I remember preaching and all, I just, I, and I'm, of course, I'm working a full-time job to feed my family and, and uh, trying to, to, to uh, minister the gospel. And I remember one day I said, I, I had to preach this one night, and I said, I'm going to take off work today, and I'm going to work all day. I'm going to make the best sermon I ever preach, and it's going to be deep, spiritually deep, you know. And I dug in the Word all day long, man, and I went to that meeting, and I got up, I preached my heart out and I felt man I rang the bell and I'm standing in the back of the church shaking hands as people are going out and I remember I never forget what this one guy said brother Peters that was a fine sermon why if you just you know keep 
making it simple like you did tonight, someday you're going to be a real preacher. <laughs> I thought to myself, well, what am I, chopped liver? <laughs> God has ways of letting us know we're not there yet. <laughs> there was many more lessons to learn. And believe me, I've had a lot of them over the years. There's a straining forward. When you know God has called you, when you know that he is the one that wants you to do what he's called you to do, man, it'll, it'll get you up in the morning. It'll keep you up at night. It'll give you passion. And that's, and that's it. You know, people know that. People know if you're just, you know, going through a routine or doing a job or what have you because it's your job to do that or when you have passion for that ministry. People know that. They sense it. They feel it. Man, you know, I want what he wants. <laughs> I want to have something that I can have passion in my life for. He says something else very interesting there. He says, forgetting what is behind. Now, I know we can't forget everything. It's impossible. My mind works backwards, I guess. Those things that I want to remember, I forget. Those things in my past I'd like to forget, boy, they just won't go away. It's just the way we're wired, I guess. And I remember a school teacher telling me one time, those who forget history are doomed to repeat it. And so that'll make us read history books a little bit because we don't want to go through all that again. But, you know, there's some things in life you've got to let go of. Some people in life have been hurt, and I mean hurt bad. I remember when we were past, uh, pastoring our church in Canton before we came to Zanesville 24 years ago. Uh, there was another church in town, and they were having revival. They were, they were just growing, and, and, you know, we kept hearing, oh, did you hear about that church over there, and, you know, People were leaving their churches to go to that church, and uh, they were so full, they were in two and three services, and then pretty soon they started a big uh, fundraising thing to build uh, uh, a mega church type thing, and, uh, you know, that, that's wonderful. If they're winning souls, I'm for it. I don't care if they're big, little. If they're doing the work of God, count me in. I'm, I'm okay with that, and I, I refuse to be jealous of it. So anyway, they're, they're growing the town, and, then, and, and things were happening, though, that began to not register real good with me. And, and one of them was that people were being encouraged not to give 10% tithes, but 20 and 30% tithes to the building fund. And then not only that, there were people that were actually going out and taking second mortgages on their home and giving that money to the church to build this new building. And then, unfortunately, just before they were ready to purchase the property and break ground, they had it all mapped out. The pastor ran off with the secretary in the church and took all the money with him. Those people were devastated. They were broke. Uh, a lot of them never went to church again. You couldn't get them in a church. In fact, there was about, I'd say about six or seven of them wound up in my church. Wonderful people. Loved God. Just couldn't get them to do nothing. They were broke. 
They were broken here. They, it was just a terrible thing. And I can't tell you how many people over the years that I've met try to talk to them about the Lord, try to tell them Jesus loves them. I don't know part of that. Why, some fake Christian <laughs> messed them over, or something happened in the church, or one thing or another made them angry, made them bitter. But you know what? They're still called. They may, they may think their time has passed. They may think it's all over, but uh-uh. They're still called. They're still called. Praise God. We got to forget the past. Whether it's our, and sometimes it's our mistakes. I've messed up. I've messed up in my life, believe me. If I want to, I can sit around and beat myself up all day long about my past and say I'm not worthy to stand in a pulpit and, and all the rest because of what I've done in my past. But you know what? It's under the blood, folks. It's under the blood. I uh, went to Malone College in uh, Canton, Ohio, and while I was there, there was a young girl, probably 19 or 20, who got up in, uh, in one of our, uh, what do they call them? Sorry, the church service, uh, I forget what they call it. But anyway, the special service we'd had, we had them uh, each day of the week there. And so anyway, we're chapel. We're in chapel. And uh, this girl gets up to give a testimony. I, I couldn't believe what I heard. She said, told how when she was a few years younger, a man had uh, abducted her and brutally raped her. It's a horrible, horrible thing that she went through. And then she talked about what it was like afterwards, how she was so afraid, how she was uncomfortable about around any men whatsoever. She, her life was ruined. She lay awake nights crying. I'm just on and on went the agony and the misery that went on for several years. And then she said, you know what? I was praying and asking God as I had for so many times. And all of a sudden she said, I felt God speaking to me. And what God was telling her was, don't, that man took that time of your life away from you. But don't give him one more minute of your life. And she says, you know what? I refuse to give that man one more minute of my life. I will not lay around and feel sorry for myself. I will not lay around and, and be afraid of relationships because of what one person did. And I, I refuse to blame God and everybody else for not protecting me. And, and I'm telling you what, when she was done, buddy, that place was hopping. Because that's what needs to happen. We need to let go of the past. The, the past should not dictate today. And, and, you know, I've been working on this message for quite a while. And just two weeks ago, I had the privilege of going up to a concert with the Booth Brothers. And uh, they have a new song that will be coming out. They previewed it for us. Maybe you've heard it. It's called Dear Yesterday. And the minute I heard that song, I said to myself, this, is, this goes with my sermon. Dear yesterday, there's a whole lot of things I wish I could change, 
but I can't. By the way, I'd sing this for you, but you wouldn't like it as well. So <laughs> I'm going to read it to you. Dear yesterday, there's a whole lot of things I wish I could change, but I can't. Dear yesterday, I know it's a surprise, but it's time for you and I to end. You've held me down too long. It's time to move along. And give me back my song. Dear yesterday. Dear yesterday, I know this wasn't planned, but things are different than before. Dear yesterday, it's best that you go because you're not in control anymore. You've lost your grip on me because grace says I am free. So pack your bags and leave, dear yesterday. Dear yesterday, I know you'd like to stay and steal my joy away, but oh no, dear yesterday, this is not your life. So you can take your lies and go. I've seen the things you do. There's nothing left to prove. So I'm breaking up with you, dear yesterday. It's kind of like a dear John letter to our yesterdays. Sometimes that's what Christians need to do. We need to let go of the past. Don't let it dictate today because God has called us for a purpose and we'll miss that purpose if we're still hanging on to yesterday. And not only the bad times, but sometimes the good times. Sometimes we cling to the successes of the past. Oh, I remember when we used to be like this and we used to do that and, and you know, it's just not the same anymore. Who cares? It's not supposed to stay the same all the time. You know, I'm old enough that I've seen a lot of revolutions come through the church. I, I remember when, uh, when I was a kid in church, Jimmy Swaggart's ministry was just getting started. I remember people standing up in church and saying, Jimmy Swaggart's music is of the devil because it sounds like that honky-tonk music they play in bars. Now there's a lot of people saying, man, I wish we could get back to Jimmy Swaggart's music. Because they don't like the new stuff. I don't care. I like it all. In one of my missionary classes, I got this great big missions book, and I read the whole thing. It was good. And it told the story of a missionary who was in, in, went to India, and he was trying to get a foothold in their culture and somehow start a church and start winning souls, and he's just having no success. And he was sitting in a, like a public area in one town that he was in, and there were some uh, people playing music, the music of the, the nation of India. Now, I don't, uh, you've probably heard it, it's these weird sounding instruments, that kind of stuff. And anyway, I'm not making fun of it, I just don't know it, that's all. So he got an idea. So he went over and he hired this band and he took some of the songs that they were doing and knowing their language, he changed the word to some of our old hymns and so forth. And he hired a flatbed truck and he put this band on there and they'd pull into a town and they'd start playing the music and singing the words of our hymns to that music and people came out by the droves. And many of them got saved, and he planted a lot of churches. 
So I just throw that in to say it's, it's not the music, it's the message. So how do we put this all together here in a big conclusion? Well, let me try. Forgetting what's behind, bad or good. And we need to press on. Press on. And again, that, that talks about exertion. It's not easy. I, my sister-in-law who passed away a couple of years ago, three years ago, I think. One of the most gifted piano players you ever hear in your life. Everybody say, oh, she's so gifted. You know, like she woke up one morning and started playing a piano. <laughs> That'd be a whale of a gift. It didn't happen that way. You know, she took lessons and she practiced while all the other kids were out playing. She practiced and she practiced and she practiced. She's become a great piano player. I believe that's true with all of our gifts. I believe that we need you to encourage our children and young people that while, while they are young, let them know that you are called for a purpose. God has gifted you. And we need to encourage them to develop them. And I'm going to brag a little bit here, but a little 12-year-old girl in our church who's my granddaughter, Two or three years ago, she first accepted Jesus as her Savior and wanted to be baptized, so we baptized her. And, and shortly after that, she said, Papa, are there any women pastors? And I said, yes, honey, some very good ones. She says, I believe God is calling me to be a pastor. And I said, wonderful, honey. And we tried to encourage her everywhere. Then she asked, when can I preach? <laughs> Well, so we talked to the youth leader that she was uh, with there and uh, said, you know, why don't you give her a little opportunity to speak or something? So they did. They gave her a couple little opportunities down there. And then they were having a big youth day and, and uh, you know, different children were doing different things to show their talents and she wanted to preach. So we said, okay, you got five minutes. And she, she worked on that thing for weeks. She'd bring it to me, Papa, what do you think? And so I'm kind of guiding her and, you know, give her a scripture here or there. And then anyway, it was a hit. <laughs> People loved it. So she got into the rotation of music in our church where every, you know, the, the, the young people and older people alike, if you want to sing in our church, you go on a rotation and, you know, once, maybe once a month or so you get to sing and so anyway, she got on the rotation, but only instead of singing, she gives us a five-minute sermon. So it's been going on a couple of years. Well, uh, it was her turn about a month ago. And, you know, I'm waiting around for the questions. I'm ready to help her. I wanted to know what her topic was, all that. And so I'm thinking on some ideas, but she's staying by herself doing it and uh, spent about a day on it, and then at the end, she brought it for me to look at, and I looked at it, and I got goosebumps, and I said, honey, I wouldn't change a thing. We got to encourage them. We got to push them. Another little girl in our church, <laughs> when she was about seven years old, she told her mother, she said, I want to sing in church. 
And she meant do a special. So they put her up there, and, and I, that wasn't at our church. Anyway, uh, uh, they, uh, they videotaped it, and I heard that little seven-year-old singing. I'm telling you why, it was pretty, and it was cute. But she kept doing it. She kept singing. She kept singing. And uh, she came to our church. And I'll tell you, by the time she came to our she was about 12 years old when they first came. And I'm telling you what, she just <laughs> surprised us all. Did that, all that beautiful music come out of that tiny little mouth? You know, that was amazing. She's our worship leader today, and she's 17 years old. I'm telling you what, I have never too many adults that sing better than she does. We need to encourage young people while they're young to know that they are called. The next thing I want to say is that we also need to encourage those around us who at one time felt called. Maybe that's some of us here today. See, I kind of, like I said, I, I had plans and then I went home and after I traveled and sat down, I found it hard to get back up again. But I'm back up. I know I can't go the pace I used to, but I'm going to preach, and I'm going to start a seniors ministry, and I'm going to do a few other things in our church because God's not done with me yet. I can't do what I used to do, but I'm going to do something because God, God's calling is without repentance. You're never too old. You're never too young. You're never too sick. There's always something that you can do. I, I visited a lady in a church. Uh, some of you might have known her. Uh, Mrs. Stansberry, was it? She was 90-some years old, laying in a hospital bed. She, their words were to, to me were, Pastor, why am I still here? Why doesn't God take me home? I, I said, Sister, if you are alive, God has a purpose for your life. Do you have any unsaved family members? Yes. Some of the people that work around this nursing home, are they unsaved? Yes. Well, hey, there's your harvest field. Pray for them every day. Talk to them. You know, get them to where they expect that when they go into your room, they're going to hear something about Jesus. You're going to tell them. I don't care who we are. If we're alive, we have a purpose in the kingdom of God. My last thing that I'm going to say on this is probably the biggest killer of all to God's purpose in our life, and that is never allow yourself to be too busy for God's purpose. <clears throat> See, that's the big killer there. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do that someday real soon. But, you know, right now I got my job and I got this and I got that. And, and there's people need help here. I need to do that. And, and we get so busy doing things that we don't have time for the most important things. Even as a pastor, I remember a, a time when I was a uh, bivocational pastor. I was working a full-time job. I was pastoring this church up in Canton, and I was, uh, uh, we, we didn't have a janitor. We didn't have, you know, people that did other stuff, so I pitched in, and I'm doing all that, and I'm working around that church all the time around my job, and then all of a sudden, it could be Saturday night, and I think, well, what am I preaching tomorrow morning? 
I got used to those what some pastor calls Saturday night specials. Finally, I woke up and I said, this ain't right. <laughs> God deserves a lot more of my time than this. And I, I made some changes and I got some people to pick up some of the slack. I needed to spend some time on my knees and in the word if I was going to preach the word. So many times it's, it's the busyness of life. And believe me, we're the most busiest society that's ever existed. There are more things for you to get busy at. I won't get on my pet peeves like cell phones and all the other stuff that just keep it. They'll occupy you 24 hours a day. We have a calling, and God's calling is without repentance. Let's bow our head in prayer. Our Father, I thank you so much for your word, which is true. And I thank you, Lord, that you believe in us. You have called us not only to be saved and to be a part of your kingdom, but you have called us for a purpose. Every one of us here, I don't care who we are, what our background is, what we've done or what others have done to us, how young we are, how old we are, where we're at in our life, God, you have called us for a purpose. And we need to know what that is. And we need to work. We need to press forward in that thing. We need to practice if where practice is necessary and study and maybe take lessons if we need to. Do whatever we have to do to perfect those talents and use them for your glory. Lord, I believe that this message is not only for me, and it is for me. But Lord, I believe there are people sitting here today who needed to hear this. There are some that need to be reawakened to the gift that you have placed within them. There are new ministries that could be brought into this church, ministries that could do amazing things in bringing souls to you, Lord, and into this church. I just pray you'll awaken those gifts within your people. Some, maybe they felt it years ago and they've long given up on it. But now's the time. Time is short. We need to work while it is day for the night comes when no man can work. Help us to redeem the time, Lord, to do our best for you because we are called. 